This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. We're going to get right into the word of God, man. We're, we're excited about what God is speaking to us in this season. And uh, uh, we're, I'm going to spend the next three Sundays leading up to Christmas Day uh, the next three Sundays, we're going to be doing a mini Advent series. Uh, like I said last Sunday, we do not do a traditional Advent calendar in our church. We don't. We don't celebrate the Advent calendar. We don't celebrate the entire Advent season. Uh, and, and there's various reasons for that. If you grew up in a traditional church, uh, you probably know what the Advent is or what the Advent calendar literally is like. And I'll talk a little more about that next week. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But we're going to do three messages that surrounds the, the birth of Jesus Christ and how relevant the, the message of the cross and the message of Jesus is to us as the modern day church. Uh, we're going to do that and then we're going to have the grand culmination on uh, December 25th when we will, we will celebrate together our Christmas service. We will celebrate together. Um, I'm going, to, I'm going to do my last installment of, of Matthew chapter 5 from 17 to 20 today, or, or I'm going to take a break after that. It's not the last installment. We're going to study the book of Matthew, but we're going to go verse 17 to verse 20 right now. So open your Bibles, and let's go to Matthew chapter 5, and we will go to verse 17, and we'll read a few verses, four verses, all the way to verse 20, okay? If you're there, if you have a Bible... If you have a Bible, an actual Bible, can I see your Bible? Anybody have your Bible? Wave it in the air. Okay. I just want to guilt trip those who didn't have a Bible, okay? That includes me. I have my iPad over here, okay? So don't, don't want you to think that that's weird. But if you have your Bibles on your phones, can I see your phones real quick? There you go. We have a majority on their phones. All right. Uh, take notes if you can. We're going through this, uh, this study of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 5, 17 to 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus is talking over here and saying, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of these least of these one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Pray with me. Father, would you speak to us through your word today? I pray that your word will be relevant. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, last Sunday, we titled the message, Salty and Lit. Uh, we talked about how important it is for us as Christians and believers to be the salt of the earth and for us to be the light of the world. Uh, it's important. Uh, and I challenged you with that question of asking you, are you being effective in the world that God has put you in? I want to title my message this morning, Jesus Changes Everything. Jesus changes everything. Uh, you know, in the understanding of this passage and the reading of this passage, and as we have learned it throughout time, and if you've been a Christian for a while, this is probably not the first time you've heard these verses being used. I'm convinced that Christ stated this specifically for all of us well-intentioned people 
who are forever saying, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. It's a very popular adage, a very popular Christian adage that we hear, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Well, as much as that might be true, somehow we seem to have gotten the idea that Christ stamped the Old Testament with some big red letters that said, null and void. A lot of Christians believe that the Old Testament does not apply to their lives and we've drawn to the faulty conclusion and this, 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 I don't know, this weird teaching that the Old Testament no longer matters and it no longer applies and that it's just a collection of historical and prophetical books. I want to remind a lot of you all here today that it's far from the truth. Okay, uh, it's so important for us as Christians to understand that the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Bible in its whole works in tandem to make sense, to bring the whole book into making sense. I mean, after all, Christ was ex executed for breaking the law, if you actually think about it. It was the Old Testament and the, 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 the you know, when we put the, the, all the laws together and Jesus teaching about that. He didn't follow the prescribed hand washing as the Old Testament would describe. Or he, would, he, he healed the sick and he picked grain on the Sabbath. He broke some commandments. He was in direct defiance of a lot of the Old Testament teachings. And yet, he speaks here about the law as much reverence as any scribe or any Pharisee or any teacher of the law would speak in, in verse number 18 where he says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. I want to remind somebody just on the outset here that the promises of God are a yes and an amen. That whatever God has promised in your life, whatever God has promised in my life, it will come to pass, all right? Whatever God has promised our nation, whatever God promised us as the human race, us as the children of God, it will and shall come to pass. We may not understand the inner workings of it. We may not understand the process which leads us from the point of mystery to the point of revelation, but always know that if there's a mystery, there's always a revelation associated with it. One day it will make sense. Though we know impartial today, we will know the truth when God reveals it to us. Am I, am I talking to somebody? There's always that, that idea of not understanding that's there. But God in his own words reminds us that whatever I say will come to pass. He reminds us in the scripture, am I man that I should lie? Am I man that I should break promises? I want to remind somebody that if God has promised you something, either through the word or directly, it might be a prophetic word, it might be a word that he, he told you in person, it might be a word that other people may not believe, but the word still remains true, and in his time, he will bring all things to pass. Can I hear an amen? That's the truth. Now, the King James Version is a little more poetic. Right? It's a little more Englishy. It's a little more uh, royalty language. And, and it says, not a jot or a tittle will pass away. It's not clear. It's not a, oh, I know what that means, but it's prettier. It sounds a lot more prettier. What does it mean, Pastor Ashish? The jot was the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Or the iota. It kind of looks like an apostrophe. It meant a lot. If you don't put an apostrophe, you don't put a comma in a sentence, it could be completely misconstrued. Your grammar teacher will teach you that. Prince is smiling at me. We have teachers in the building that will agree with me. 
The title was a, set, a serif, and it was a projection from an individual letter that changed the emphasis of that word or how you said the word. And how you say the word can completely change what that word completely means. Like in Spanish, you would put the little, uh, whatever you call it, the apostrophe over the N to make manana, manana. Does that make sense? It, it makes a lot of difference. It makes, uh, and, and that's what a jot and a tittle would mean. It changed the emphasis of the particular word, the depth of the word. And Christ said that not even something as small and insignificant as those two marks would disappear from what God has spoken over our lives. I don't, I don't care how small or how big the promises of God over you are. If God said it, he will do it. Come on, I'm going to say that again. If God said it, he will do it. And some of us need to hold on to the promises of God. The word of God reminds us that are a yes and an amen. And although your circumstances may tell you that it's, not, that it's not possible, although the world might tell you that it's not possible, I want you to believe in the report of the Lord that says, if it's my promise, if it's my word, I will and it shall come to pass. Can I hear an amen now? So let's break it down. What is this law that Jesus is talking about? See, we've, we've, we've drawn the faulty conclusion. Like, like, like I said, sometimes we, people say, oh, this, this Old Testament thing, it's not, it's not true anymore. There's so, many, so much of law. There's so much of words in there. There's so much of constraints in there that really doesn't apply to us. Firstly, what is this law that Jesus is talking about? The first thing that it can refer to is the Ten Commandments that Jesus gave us, that uh, God gave us, the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. The second thing it could refer to is the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible or the, the five scrolls that some would call it. And the third thing it would talk about is the law and the prophets that Jesus talks about over here is what we now call the Old Testament. And, and, and that is what Christ said would never pass away. Those words that God gave his prophets. And one of those promises are that Christ would return. And I want to remind the church, the reason we do what we do today is because of the hope of tomorrow that one day Jesus will come back for his bride that is us, the church. Come on, am I talking to somebody? I reminded that to Ashley and Jason yesterday, that the hope of glory, why we can rejoice in the fact that in this moment of suffering is that we can look at the hope of glory that one day, all of us will be able to see baby Aiden one more time. The people that you lost, the people that were lost in, in, into eternity, they, they, they were not completely lost. They might no longer be in front of your eyes. But one day, the hope of glory, the promise is that we will see each other again. But there was also this fourth meaning of the law, which was the oral law, the scribal law. The last one is what Jesus and Paul is attacking over here and saying, guys, that's gone away. Like, stop emphasizing on that. We'll talk about that. We're not saying that the, 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 the Ten Commandments are, are not valid. That's not what we're saying. We're not talking about the prophetic words of God that are gone, that, that Old Testament, we just need to ignore the Old Testament. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that, that, that the first five books of the Bible, the 613, as we will talk about it in a little bit, those commands are not valid. What we're saying is there were so many things that these scribes and religious people added to the law that were completely insignificant that Jesus is like, why are you spending time focusing on all of these things? And we'll talk about that in just a second. That is what Jesus was attacking. It's important to understand the whole of scripture to understand what God really means. To understand how the Old Testament connects to the Old New Testament. See, the Old Testament and New Testament don't compete with one another. They complete each other. 
Am I talking to somebody here? It's important not just to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's important to start in the Old Testament, to compare and to contrast. As we study the Word of God here at Commission, you know we've studied books of the Old Testament and we study books of the New Testament. When people come up to me and say, Pastor Oshers, we only should do the New Testament, Pastor. The New Testament is what... I said, no, no, no. We have to study the both. It's important. They're not in competition with each other. See, in Genesis, right, in, in, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, God gives the people of Israel 613 commandments, right? You, you know the first 10 that he gives Moses, right? He gives Moses the first 10. He says, here you go, people of Israel. Here's your first 10 commandments. What do the people of Israel do? Do they keep all the commandments? No, they defy they go against these commands and God's like, and Moses like, Lord, what do we do now? And God's like, here, give them these set of commandments. So they, they tacked on and on and on and on. The 10 became 20 and the 20 became 80 and the 80 became a 160 and the 160 doubled and 480 and, and 580 and, and, and ultimately there were 613 of these laws that God looked, looked at the people of Israel and said, you need to keep. In the matter of four, it, it, this is crazy. Okay, from, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, 613 commandments. Like, we can't keep 10. Am I talking to somebody? Like, we cannot keep 10. But the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law thought that 613 were not enough. They're like, let's get together a group of people that can do more than 613. Okay. For example, the great Old Testament principle, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, how many of y'all know that? Okay. That was just, that, that was the Old Testament commandment. But here are the scribes that come along and they're like, you know what, let's, let's add more to that number. Let's add more to that number. Right? What, what does it mean to work? Uh, to work means to carry a burden. Well, what does it mean to carry a burden? Well, to carry a burden, I'm glad you asked, so let me break that down for you. Less than a burden is food equal to a dried fig. I don't know how many of y'all have eaten a fig before. It's a pretty small thing. A dried fig. Anything that weighs lesser than that, you don't eat. You don't pick up. That's what the scribes would tell you. Enough wine. Drink enough wine to fill a goblet. Woo! Milk enough to, for one to swallow. Honey enough to put on a wound. That was the scribal law or the Mishnah. It, it, it's around 800 pages long in its English translation. And Jesus says, Garbage! He says, away with it. Stop fighting about these little things that have no significance whatsoever. Like growing up, man, I had a lot of scribes in our church. You can't wear this. You can't do this. You can't wear jeans if you're a Christian. Come on. Now. Am I talking to somebody? How many of y'all had that in, in your churches? Come on. That's just not me. You can't wear jeans in church. Okay. Can't wear makeup. Give me some more. Huh? Jewelry. You can't wear jewelry. Pants. Can't wear pants. Okay. We can go on and on, right? We... But Jesus says, man, I, I've, I've come to abolish that. I've come to take that away. He looked at the scribes and he's like, man, these, couldn't, these guys couldn't do with 10. And you're giving them 630. This is crazy. And he says, I've not come to abolish it. I've not come to completely do away with the law, but I've come to fulfill it. Like the Greek word used over here means to level up or to top off or to finish something. That's the word Jesus is using. I've come to finish it. I've come to bring it to completion so that you don't need to keep adding. 
Christ did not come to destroy the law. God had been speaking to his people for 4,000 years. He wasn't about to say, oops, I've changed my mind now. He wasn't about to switch it up on them. Like some Christians have this misperception that it's just filled with, the Old Testament is just filled with rules and the New Testament is this license to kill kind of thing. And God's like, whoa, 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 calm down. Like the Old Testament and New Testament does not conflict or compete with one another. They complete each other. Like in the Old Testament, you see God as this creator, as this judge. In the New Testament, you see him as this loving father. You can't appreciate him as father unless you accept him as judge. You, you see what I'm saying? You can't have one without the other. Unless you see the Old Testament sacrifices for sin, you can't appreciate Jesus as the ultimate and final sacrifice for sin. It goes in tandem. Unless you see the truth of one, you cannot accept the full truth of the other. Jesus said that was just the shadow of things to come. The Old Testament was just the shadow. It's hard when we start talking about controversial subjects. In the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about anger. We're going to be talking about murder. We're going to be talking about killing one another. We're going to be talking about the words we use. And we're going to be talking about, man, money. I hope we, we, we have a good audience in those weeks because it's going to be touchy-feely subjects where it's going to, if, you, if I'm not already stepping on toes week after week, we're going to step on some toes big time. Sermon on the Mount talks about sexuality, how to God, honor God through our sexuality, this healthy framework of sexuality. He talks about finances, about giving God honor and tithing. Oh, brother, that's an Old Testament thing. No, New Testament says go above and beyond your tithe. That's what, that's what the New Testament says. Don't throw the Old Testament at me because I will throw it right back at you because the, the New Testament tells me something otherwise. Some of us don't like the parts of those that, that, don't don't like those parts of the Bible. See, that doesn't really reveal a problem with God. It's the problem with me. It's this inner struggle of who is God in my life. Like, how do you see God? Like, it's not a oh, it's a God problem or it's a church problem. This church talks too much about this. Oh, this church talks too much about this. We need more grace. We mean we need more love. We need more messages that make me feel good. Here's the truth of the matter. The Old Testament lays down the law. The New Testament lays the heart or the reason behind the law. Jesus says that's there for a reason. It's there because of this and because of this. We say, we say that to kids all the time. The other, just two days ago, I looked at my two kids that were just running around in the bathroom as soon as they took a shower and I was like, stop doing that. They're like, why? <laughs> I was like, because I know something. That you don't. Am I talking? Like, this makes sense, right? It makes sense. Like you can't run around in the bathroom because you're going to slip. You're going to bust your pretty nose. No, won't. I'm superhuman. No, you're not. Trust me. Been there. Done that. But sometimes as kids, and we'll talk about it in just a second here towards the end of the message, but as kids, we understand laws or kids understand law and, and rules as a pain rather than something to benefit them. Mm, this is going to get good. Let me not get too ahead of myself. I'm going to come back to that. But Matthew chapter 22, the Bible breaks this down and Jesus looks at the 613 and I'm like, man, these guys are struggling with the 613. 
If 10 wasn't enough, Jesus, somebody comes up to Jesus and says, tell us what is the greatest commandment, Jesus? And Jesus says, you want to know the greatest commandment? He says, he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He says, two. I'm just going to break it down to two. If you can do these two, man, you're living a good Christian life. Love the Lord your God. Oh, Lord, I could do that. No, 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 it doesn't stop there. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Four things. This is a different message altogether. Four series of messages that I can do with that, that verse in itself, but I'm not going to get into it. And it's, oh, okay, okay, four things. I can, I can tackle that, Jesus. No, 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 it doesn't stop there. And if you love God, you will also learn how to love. Oh, Jesus, I don't know about that. He's like, that's all I want. If you can love God, love people, we have all the laws taken care of. Because every one of those 613 laws are connected to these two. And he says, just let's start with those. Because Jesus is talking about the societal laws of the land. He's talking about ceremonial laws. He's talking about moral laws, like societal laws are the ones that, that, that they were well, for the nation. Hey, keep these laws, keep these rules, follow traffic signals, uh, make sure that you don't jump a red light, like it keeps people safe. Like the Old Testament has a verse that says, none of the Israelites should, should jump, like you should have a guardrail on each of your terraces so that nobody will fall. And you're like, well, that's, yeah, that's kind of expected. Like who would not put a guardrail on their terrace? That's, you wouldn't want your kids to fall off. Then there are ceremonial laws. It does, it has to do with being worthy for worship. Don't touch a dead body. Don't put salt on sacrifices. These were the laws that were ceremonial. And then they were moral. Don't rape. Don't trip. In the Old Testament, there's literally one that says, don't trip blind people. Obviously, like we don't, like, come on. That's valid that day. It's valid today. Please don't trip blind people. But pastor, what about these controversial stuff that a lot of churches, a lot of pastors don't talk about it? homosexuality is a sin oh well that's the old testament pastor like we're living in a season of grace no no thank you see the old testament also says don't eat shellfish but i've seen some of y'all eat that shrimp uh you know that yeah thank you you love your shrimp see and this is why systematic theology is important where you study all of scripture and not just be like ah that verse says this i gotta do this you can't just pick and choose what you want to believe in and what you want. No, that doesn't work that way. You can't pick one verse from the scripture and say, Jesus loves me because of this and Jesus hates me because of this. No, no. Leviticus 18, sorry, 11 and verse 10. But anything in the seas or the rivers that does not have fins and scales or the swarming creatures in the waters and of the living creatures that are in the waters is detestable to you. That's why they say, don't eat shrimp. But Hebrews 9 and verse 13 to 14, the Bible says under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. 
I want to remind somebody, this is what Jesus was talking about. The little stuff that was added on and said, hey, don't do this or this. Some cultural stuff that was added in. Jesus says, man, I have made you clean. I have made you whole. Stop focusing on shellfish. Stop focusing on, on, on the stuff that you don't even need to focus on. Go and enjoy that, that, that little bit of the, the, some extra shrimp tacos today because you deserve it. Come on. Focus on loving God and loving people. Don't eat shellfish. How are you loving your neighbors? When did you last take dinner to your neighbors? When did you last say hello to your neighbors? Ooh, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 10, verses 11 and 15. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And the sheet were all sorts of animals and reptiles and birds. And a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Woo! Verse 14, no, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and clean. And verse 15, but the voice spoke again and says, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. You men that are not coming to Taco Tuesday because we serve pork tacos, you better come to Taco Tuesday. The Old Testament showed us that sin made us unworthy, but Jesus has made us clean. So I'm asking you today, throw another shrimp on that barbecue. Enjoy it because that's not what Jesus is worried about. Jesus is worried if your heart and your soul and your strength and everything within you says, God, you are my first. You are my God. You are my Lord. And you have preeminence over my life. That's what Jesus is worried about, y'all. That's what Jesus is worried about today. Mm. I can go on with Leviticus 20 and verse 10 where a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife. Both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. Thank God we don't put adulterers to death. Matthew 5, 27. There's this conversation that Jesus is having with this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Surprisingly, all the men disappear. She alone committed adultery. Verse 4. Teacher, they said to the woman, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Verse 10. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Do you notice that Jesus does not say that it's okay? Adultery is okay. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, he didn't squash adultery. He didn't say it didn't matter anymore. He didn't say Old Testament, let's ignore that. He said no, adultery is wrong. But he taught the church a new way to love because of Jesus. Because Jesus changes everything. Because Jesus came into the picture and he says, because of the grace and the love that I show, the church has no other way but to love on people that fall short of the glory of God. So as when we as a church, when Commission Church says, love God, love people, it's not a cool thing we say. I want each of us here to remember that. It's not a thing we just say because it's cool. All right. When we write welcome home on that wall, it's just not a cool statement to write. 
We do it because we understand the gospel of grace and love and we understand the statement, Jesus changes everything. Because Jesus walked into that situation and said, I am not going to appreciate the adultery. I am not going to shy away from the adultery. Adultery is wrong. Adultery is sin. It is sin. It is sin. It is sin. But Jesus changes everything. And he looked at the woman and said, I will love you. I will lift you up. I will go down to the depths of your sin and the depths of your dirt and say anyone can fall into this sin, but let me give you the ability to see the new covenant, the new covenant of grace where he accepted her, where he embraced her, where he showed her that grace and love trumps hate and judgment. Hmm. We have to accept scriptures for what it is, not just the Old Testament says this, so that's what we got to do. Oh, the New Testament says this. It's some, some of us skew it and say, oh, this is the gospel of grace. Everything is grace, 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 grace. No, no, no. But there's still a place to look at somebody when they do wrong and say, you did wrong. Am I talking to somebody? Yes, grace is important and love is important. But it's also equally important for us to stand up for the truth and call sin, sin. And I as a pastor will not shy from that. We take discipleship pretty serious here at Commission Church. We take discipleship very, very seriously because if you don't believe all of God's word, you won't believe any of God's word. I'm going to say that again. If you don't believe all of God's word, you won't believe any of God's word. You can't just take pieces and bits that fit you. If you don't believe the challenging scriptures, you won't believe the encouraging scriptures. If you don't allow the challenging scriptures to challenge you and transform you, you cannot and will not and, and cannot allow the encouraging scriptures to encourage you. You're going to find it very difficult. If you don't believe sin is bad, you won't believe God is good. And if you don't know us already, we're a church that is bold about preaching all of God's word. And if you're okay with that, you've found a great church home. If you want a church where no one ever gets offended, you may not like this church. I'm sorry to break it to you. You may not like this church, and that's okay because we may need your seat. Because we're growing. Am I talking to somebody? We're, and like I've said this so many times before, we would rather have a slow-growing, healthy church than a fast-growing, unhealthy church. I want each one of us to be transformed through the learning and the studying of the scriptures. We want strong Christians who say the scriptures matter. The word of God has to transform me, not make me feel good. I have not done my job. If I, get, if I leave here and if you look at me in the lobby and say, Pastor, that felt good today. I'm like, I did not do my job. I did not allow the Holy Spirit to minister today. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 to 17, the Bible says this. Worship team, you guys can get ready to come on. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. Verse 14, but you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true for you, for, 
for you know that you can trust those who taught you. Verse 15, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have, been, they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work if you want to be good and if you want good children and if you want to be good people it is only possible through the living and the never dying word of the living God let it breathe into you day after day and I want you to ask yourselves these questions where do, am I struggling with this the question that you have to ask yourself is where do I find truth where do I find truth like the world tells you this truth is what subjective your truth is not my truth, and let's all be okay with it. Let's all live in harmony and peace, and, and peace be with you, and peace be with me. No, 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 no. For the Christian, there is only one truth. The God that says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. Come on, am I? There is no subjective truth. There is no, am I talking? This, this is relative, as relative can be. I, this has to be important to some of us. The second question that I want to ask some of y'all is, will you believe God over yourself? Because some of us can sit here, listen to the word, and only believe what we want to believe. We can take, I could speak for 40 minutes and you listen for two minutes. And as soon as you hear what you want to hear, you'll take and run with it. You're like, that's all I need. Who cares what he said for the, the, the other 40 minutes? See, anytime my opinion does not align with God's word, guess who's wrong? I am wrong. Because God's word is eternal. It's always true. My feelings doesn't change the trajectory of the word of God. It he says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That will not change. The third question I want to ask you is this. Will you let scripture correct you when you're wrong and teach you what's right? How can I do this, Pastor Ostrich? Ask yourself, do you have a hard heart or a heart after God's heart? either or can't be both because there are two kinds of people there are rule followers and there are rebels and here's how the human heart works every rule follower was always a, was originally a rebel I talked about this earlier this is important the more laws that were introduced the more they rebelled the people of Israel rebelled 10, let me introduce 10 more. The more people rebelled. That's how my kids are. I tell them to do something, they won't. The more rules I give them, the more they rebel. It doesn't matter if I tell them, God told me to tell you, it does. They, they don't care. I lay my hand over them, cast a demon out of them, it doesn't matter. They will still rebel. Because that's what kids do. Kids hate laws. Kids hate structure. But you know what appreciates laws? Maturity appreciates laws. I can look back when I was growing up. I'm like, my, my dad is the worst person to ever walk this, the, the, the face of the earth. 
because of how much of rules I had growing up, how much he said no to me, how many boundaries I had around me, you know, the, the, the parties that I was not allowed to attend, the places I was not allowed to go to, I was not allowed to hang out with friends. Dad, you're boring. I hate you. I wish I was ever born to this family. But maturity does something beautiful. When you reach my age and when you have a little bit of gray and when you have three kids, you're like, Lord, I thank God for my father that taught me those beautiful... You appreciate laws as you grow... How many of you agree with me here? Like, like, like what I saw is spank and like, that was physical torture when you spanked me. I'm going to report it to 911. I'm going to call CPS. Now I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for spanking me like that. Dad, thank you for whooping my behind the way you did. Otherwise, I would not have preached. I would not have picked up the mic. I would not have picked up the Bible. I would not have followed the ways of the Lord. I would not have. Our inability to follow commands is because of our incapability to mature. I'm going to say that again. Our inability to follow commands, laws, rules is because of our incapability to mature. But how do we do that? What should I do, Pastor? Remember this verse, Galatians 3.24. Would you stand up to your feet? I'm going to pray and close. Galatians 3.24. So then, the law was our guardian. What is the law now? Here's the way you look at the law. The, the Old Testament, this is the way you look at it. It was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. That's good, Eric. That is so good. The law has its place. And what the law was, it, it, was a, it kept you. It, it safeguarded you. It's there for a purpose. But it doesn't overshadow the fact that Christ came. It was just a shadow. It was there to give you that, that, that peace, that, that rest. And today, Jesus changes everything. He's the heart behind the law. So I want to encourage somebody, rest in God today. As we pursue righteousness, rest in the perfection of Jesus. How do we do that? Through the Spirit of God. Ezekiel 36, 27 reminds us this, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and keep my commands. Are you spirit-led? Are you spirit-empowered? Are you spirit-filled? Can I remind somebody? The Holy Spirit does not have 613 things on His agenda. The Holy Spirit has nine things on His agenda. Listen up. The Holy Spirit does not have 613 things on His agenda. He has nine things on His agenda. And you know what it's called? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. That's it. Those nine things will help you accomplish the two things that Jesus said was important. Love God, love people. When you allow the Holy Spirit to do His work inside of you, the fruit of the Spirit starts coming out. It doesn't say the fruit of the law. It says the fruit of the Spirit. You know what Galatians reminds us? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace. Come on, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now here is what you need to get. Against such things there is no law there is no law so today we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ 
I want to remind somebody, Jesus changes everything. Allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of you. It's not these rules. It's not these stringent things. He's like, man, the Holy Spirit, the moment you say yes to Jesus, and some of y'all need to say yes to Jesus. Some of y'all need to say, I'm, I'm ready to take my next step in my walk with Christ. For some of us, you've said yes to Jesus and you've accepted Jesus in your life and you're like, Pastor, what's next? For some of us, it's, it's getting baptized in water. It's saying, I want to receive Jesus into my heart and that's what we call water baptism is the next step where you say, I want to publicly profess to everybody around me that I want to tell people that Jesus is king over my life. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.